Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi there. Welcome to The Tint. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for another journey into the uh, world of aquariums from our unique perspective. Now, I have to admit, I'm sort of an advocate for, I don't know, you call it weird stuff, I guess. I mean, I really love the idea of, you know, tinted, turbid water, decomposing leaves, biofilms, and all other sorts of, I guess you call them features that would pretty much cause most serious aquarists to lose their minds pretty quickly. Uh, I've tried over the years to figure out where this obsession came from. I mean, my early aquarium days were more or less conventional. You know, after graduating from the turquoise gravel, plastic plants, and ceramic ornaments, I started using more natural materials, you know, wood, live plants, number three aquarium gravel, stuff like that. In my teen years, in addition to discovering girls, I discovered killifish. And I thought that keeping them in permanent setups, as opposed to the plastic shoe boxes that people kept them in, and was a better way to go. Permanent setups meaning overgrown jungles of Rotala and, you know, Sagittaria and Water Sprite and other plants. And it's far more interesting to me than those plastic shoeboxes that were, of course, and still are, a more or less conventional approach to keeping them. And it worked for live bears, so why wouldn't it work for killies, right? And of course it did. And then came along my fascination with peat moss. And peat moss, particularly the long fiber kind, really interested me. Because not only did it impact the color of the water, of course, it impacted the behavior of the fishes. It looked different. It made the aquarium feel different. And the overall, again, the overall health and experience of the fishes, it really piqued my interest. It made my tanks look really similar to the habitats that I would see fishes come from in nature and all those books I would read. You know, natural. And of course, as an avid reader, this was about the time I discovered blackwater aquariums. I learned about that was a whole unique subspecialty, which was really interesting to me. There was something natural, unique, and beneficial about them to many fishes, and it was an obvious attraction, you know, for me, an aquarium that was executed in a most uncommon way, and I haven't really looked back since. Oh, sure, I took a multi-decade detour into, you know, the world of reef aquariums and coral propagation, and, you know, even though there's, like, hyperclear water and super bright-colored fishes and corals, it was simply a different form of expression, it was a different palette, if you will, to express myself. And my tanks were modeled more or less after locales that I'd seen while surfing or diving. So they weren't the typical fruit stand of corals that you'd see. Rather, my tanks were monospecific, meaning one species and or two or three species in large aggregations mixed in with um, other invertebrates and groupings of fishes instead of one of everything. And it was just a different look. Uh, I sort of defied the collector-centric coral approach that a lot of people had and still have. It made sense, though, and again, it was sort of a road less traveled. And I can look at an image of an aquatic habitat, and I can try to replicate, you know, some aspects of it in my aquarium. Not a stylized version, mind you, but um, an unfiltered interpretation of that. That's that I do that pretty well. A version of it for the aquarium. That's me. Okay, enough of my weird hobby obsession and history. Although I had to think back on this recently because some of the interviews I've done lately for our Tint podcast, which I'm assuming you have listened to, right? With guys like Corey Hopkins, George Farmer, and Ty Streitman, 
um, giving me all kinds of interesting feedback during our sessions with them. And hearing their thoughts on some aspects of recreating natural habitats and just aquascaping in general made me sort of reflect a bit. In particular, both George and Corey, if you look back on their uh, or listen back on their episodes, they talked about a sort of a trend, if you will, in aquascaping towards details like smaller twigs, roots, pebbles, all that kind of stuff, and how this has sort of impacted the aquascaping world in general, little details. And this stirred up something in the back of my mind. I found this particularly interesting because I've been a big fan of these kind of details for many years myself. Of course, not just from a purely aesthetic or artistic standpoint, as is apparently the current trend, but from the way they help create aquatic habitats that our fishes would interact with more naturally. Yeah, they look cool and they have an important role in the lives of the fishes. That's the thing I like to call functional aesthetics. And things like roots and tangled branches are a detail that we need to think more about. Roots specifically. I've talked about that before, but there's something incredibly compelling about the way terrestrial trees and shrubs interact with the aquatic environment. Not only do they help secure the soils from falling away, they foster epiphytic algae, fungal growth, and biofilms, which supplement the foods for the resident fishes. And of course, they provide this physical habitat where fishes could forage, seek shelter, and reproduce among. So in short, they create a really unique microhabitat which harbors a diversity of life. And of course, they happen to look pretty damn cool aesthetically. So yeah, this makes them an irresistible subject for natural-looking and functioning aquascape, and relatively easy to execute, too. And with all these interesting materials that we have now, it's never been easier than ever to create these kind of habitats in as detailed a version as you care to. And rather than a purely artistic interpretation, like you see in those so-called dioramascapes that are so popular right now in the aquascaping world, I'm suggesting utilizing roots and twigs and such to create a functionally realistic habitat for your fishes. In other words, a simulation of an actual little ecological niche. Now, facilitating these processes, allowing the materials to accumulate leaves and twigs and, and so forth, and break down in situ like they do in the wild, is a key component of replicating and supporting these microhabitats in our aquariums. You know, fostering those natural processes of accumulation and decomposition of natural materials by simply sequestering them is just one way you can utilize root simulations in your aquarium. The typical aquarium hardscape, artistic and beautiful though it might be, generally replicates the most superficial aspects of such habitats, and I think it tends to overlook their function and the reason why such habitats form in the first place. The function, the, the, the why, if you will, can be just as interesting to contemplate, I think. Roots find their way into aquatic systems because, well, the aquatic system usually finds them areas of grasslands or these flooded forests, Zigapo or Varzea, you know, which become flooded during seasonal inundations, suddenly become aquatic environments, rich and productive and quite unique looking, and they're just brimming with life. And recreating the functional and aesthetic aspects of this interesting habitat to me is the very essence of what we do here at Tannin. and that's what I hope to help everybody accomplish. The complexity and the additional microhabitats that they create are something just compelling and interesting to me. And if we apply what most aquascapers these days would call details to the overall aquascape, making these the focus, it's an entirely different approach, especially when we think towards the functional aspects over everything else. So even the most simple application of such an idea can utilize, you know, you can utilize basic materials, just some roots or branch inverted or whatever, and it can yield a fundamentally different type of aquarium with totally different appearance and function. Fishes will behave differently. They'll forage and shelter among the roots and the tangled branches like they would in nature. They'll utilize these structures as a place to live. 
there are many, many creative nuances that we can apply to the, you know, recreation of these habitats, of course. I've seen hobbyists create some amazing aquariums by utilizing tangles of fine branches and roots as the main event. In fact, I did it recently with our Tucanichthys Tucano environment, and it's just one of my favorite tanks I've ever done. Not only is it aesthetically fascinating, it's actually quite functional. Of course, there's a lot of interesting stuff you can do, and you know, aquascaping-wise, by utilizing this complex of fine branches and roots. Fishes like angels, discus, waro, and all those other fishes that come from these types of environments that are sort of vertically compressed, they'll find a natural home in such a setup, really, when you think about it. It's a great way to aquascape a tall, narrow, kind of weird tank, too. So I can go on and on about this stuff, but I think you're sensing a pattern here. It's really important for us as hobbyists not only to enjoy the creative process of thinking about and creating our natural aquariums, it's vital, I think, for us to contemplate how and why some of these structures are found in nature and how they came into being. This is just one aspect, roots and you know branches and so forth. There's so many other things you can look at, but if you look at it from a standpoint of how they came into being, why they are there, it gives you a totally different perspective beyond just the pure creative part. Sure, stuff like this has been done before. You can show me many examples of aquascapes done with root tangles and terrestrial branches and details and stuff like that. I get it. However, again, when we consider creating such a tank with these features in mind in the context of our botanical world, it's very different. It's functional. It's essentially aquascaping, of course, yet it's done with a different thought, a different purpose. An aquarium nonetheless, yet executed in the most uncommon way. Keep trying new stuff. Get out of your comfort zone, push the boundaries, Look at your work from a different perspective. Draw as much inspiration as you can from nature's work as possible. If this kind of stuff calls to you, if it compels you, if it moves you in some way, please enjoy this and share it with the world. There's so much to learn. So stay unique, stay bold, stay curious, stay inspired, stay educated, stay creative, and always stay wet. Till next time, this is Scott Bellman. Thanks for joining me and hope to see you on the next episode of The Tint.